0: how you doing it's friday so that means it's all new episode (laughs) and i am so excited i've been waiting and dying to have this guest on for a really long time i feel like i've been borderline begging her but it's finally the day has come you know her from summer house on bravo she has a podcast called burning in hell which is so much fun so funny she's hilarious literally one of the funniest people i've met in a long time welcome hannah burner God, I'm so flattered right now. I'm blushing. It is an honor and a privilege, Katie, to be on this podcast to talk shit with you. I call it the shit talking Olympics. Whenever I can like, just have a good goss session with somebody. I love
1: it. Like petty gossip too. Like not the real gossip. I want the little
0: tiny things, the little things. So um, I just said Hannah's podcast. So you want to go back and listen to that. 100%. We talk about all kinds of really fun, also, we got a little deep on there, but we did talk about. And I want to talk about now the first time meeting. So, if y'all remember an episode of Summer House, when myself and Tom and Stassi and Bo went to the summer house in the Hamptons, <laughs> <laughs> and I met this girl in the kitchen, and she was so fucking funny. I was like, <laughs> I was like, this is gonna be the best weekend ever. Right away, we're just like had so much wit. Oh, thank you
1: where does it come from? I do think growing up in New York city, everyone just makes fun of each other. It's like how we show affection. And also when I meet new people, I'm like really loud and annoying. Like I get excited and I want everyone to like, I'm like a little chihuahua. I'm like, I'm here and I want to be friends with you. And I was probably on my a game in that moment. And I remember also we were slightly competitive because you guys get fucked up and we get fucked up. So we were like, who's more fucked up. I remember you guys being like, calm down. Like we do this
0: occasionally, not every night you sickos. (laughs) Well, I feel like you guys, you go hard on the weekends where we just like, we have to pace ourselves every night throughout the week, you know? Yes. Yes. I mean, but I, I didn't find you to be like loud or obnoxious. I will. I do get turned off by people when I meet them. I do get a sense immediately by people's energy when they're like trying too hard or just being obnoxious, but you were not that at all.
1: Thank you. Well, that's my favorite part about you is that I feel like you never try ever like in the best way possible. Like you can't help but be
0: authentically you. (laughs) And I fucking love that. Well, you got one thing right. Don't try. (laughs) I should try a little harder in a lot of areas of my life. But no, I like presenting myself in an authentic way where like you're going to know how I feel about you. And yeah, sometimes I will be a little bit reserved and kind of hold back a little bit because I just want to get a read for the room and the people that are there before I decide to fully engage. Yeah. That's not like an elitist attitude. (laughs)
1: No, but like people like that, I respect because I'm like, they know something I don't know because I've been talking the last 30 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because Paige is like that. When you first meet Paige, she's quite quiet and observing and like shy. And I'm like, but then she will show like a new side to her. But people always think because she's like, I'm just talking about Paige. I'm like, welcome to the Paige podcast. But anyway, we have different ways when people first meet us, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's who you are, that first impression.
0: Yeah, and as much as I believe like first impressions are important, I don't necessarily always go by that. But we do still judge in those first moments. It's like so innate in us. It's like very much like of a sport that we do those things to judge and have opinions. Yeah, but I do think that It's fun when you judge someone and then you realize you were wrong. Those are the most like pivotal sort of biggest learning experiences I have with people because it did that what people would remember with like Lala, for instance, you know, because she came on our show and was just like, oh, so it's valid that like you see a side of someone in a certain
1: environment that you don't love. And like maybe like her environment in that moment and that side of her when like, put against being the new girl. Like you didn't love that side of her. And now you've seen when she's not like in fight or flight with you guys. And maybe it's like-
0: No, totally. Yeah. I understand like the defense mechanisms. I do the same thing myself, but then you like peel back the layers. You see a different side to them. You know, her and I from the same state. So it's like, we had a lot of common ground. And so I think, I think it's kind of like beautiful. Even if you like think the worst of someone, if you can eventually come around and realize the beauty in them- There's something really kind of special about that. I feel like I'm like that with Lindsay on
1: Summer House because we're both very like strong, outgoing people, but we have very different like communication styles. And she's a person that she doesn't automatically trust you. And then when she does trust you, You'll like never lose her trust, cause she, but she will like push you away in the beginning. <laughs> Where I'm like so trustworthy, like a little puppy, and then like <laughs> when you find me over, I'm like wait a second. So I was like, be my friend, be my friend, and she was kind of like chill out. Like I need to make sure you're good people first.
0: I relate to that, yeah. But like growing up, like what was it like in like high school? Or what were your earlier earliest memories that you have with like friends of like kind of like navigating that sort of relationship with people of like. Good question.
1: People make fun of me because I talked about it on Summer House a lot my first season, but I was a tennis player from nine years old to 21. I played like six days a week. I went to three different high schools because of tennis. I went to like a tennis academy. I played a little professionally. Then I got a full ride to University of Wisconsin. But if you think about that dynamic, it's like girls were my competition. Oh, shit. Whoever was across the net was between me and like my success or like my coach being happy with me or my parents putting in money for lessons, feeling like I was successful. Like a lot of it was just like me solo game trying to succeed, but it helped me mature fast and that like I've dealt with high pressure situations, but also realizing that I can't live my life comparing myself to other girls trying to take down other girls. Like that is just constant negativity. And I used to get like super jealous when a girl would like, come up and like get a high ranking or get sponsored by Nike. And, and I would just be so jealous. And I remember thinking, if you're going to survive in life, you need to fucking start rooting for people and learn how to not do that. But girls were not always initially like calm for me or like a safe feeling for me, but I always would have that one best friend in school who was like my ride or die. Like who I walk in, and she's by my locker, and like we could talk about anything together. I always kind of kept like a small circle because I wasn't partying too much or like going out on the weekends because I was like a tennis nerd. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're an
0: athlete. That's I was an athlete. That's not the life.
1: Exactly. So then I think I think growing up, I'm actually pretty still the same. Like I have a very small circle. I have like. I always have like one boy toy I try to have if I'm in the mood (laughs) and then like one good girlfriend that I can annoy all day and she'll never leave me if that makes sense. And then I have my other friends that like, depending on what's going on. But right now, like Paige is my ride or die and I'm fortunate to have met her in such like a crazy situation, such as like Bravo.
0: Let's just take a quick little break and take our vitamins together. Don't you love these little like vitamin reminders. I know I need them every day, but since I discovered Ritual, I actually discovered them a few years ago and started taking their multivitamin, which I've loved, recently started taking the prenatal. And what I love about them the most is first of all, the taste. I can take them and not gag on the flavor because we've all had those times, let's face it. But the multivitamin has an like. A freshy mint tasted it and the prenatal is a nice citrus flavor if you like that. Both are incredible and also I really like them because I can take them on an empty stomach because of their delayed release capsule design and it will make you feel nauseous. So in the morning when I'm gulping down water, I just swallow my vitamins and it's really, really nice. And plus, I really like to know what's in my vitamins and they're clean and vegan friendly with high quality nutrients and bioavailable forms your body can actually use. And what you're not going to find are sugars, GMOs, major allergens, synthetic fillers and artificial colorants. Because who wants that garbage in their body, especially if we're taking it on a daily basis? Not me. No, thank you. And if you don't love ritual within your first month, they'll refund your first order. So what are you waiting for? Start your ritual vitamin today, please. I highly recommend it's good for you. And we gotta be good to ourselves right now. So get key nutrients without the BS rituals offering my listeners 10% off during your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash love me to start your ritual today. That's ritual.com slash love me. And you're gonna love me because you're loving yourself anyways, back to the show. Hi, I'm Shanae Alexander, host of Press Send, a podcast and more importantly, a safe and hilarious place for candid conversations about the scary, funny, heartbreaking, but always intriguing questions
1: that make us all human. Each week, me and a new best friend you haven't met yet field your questions across any and all topics and offer our take on the matter with plenty of humor, heart and badassery along the way. We launch a new episode of Press Send every Wednesday. We'll see you there.
0: Yeah, but sometimes I can help like deepen a bond because going through something like a reality show is unlike anything else because it is your life, it is your friendships. Like there's that reality to it but then it's being broadcast out there for people to to dissect it's under a microscope and everyone has opinions and so my closest best friends are the people that you know are on the show I mean I obviously have other very close best friends as well outside the show but I too like have always kept my circle very small because yeah I not because of a competitive nature, but like a trust issue thing. Like, where I just, I don't want to be spread so thin amongst people. Mm. And also people have also proven to just be like snakes. It's just about like healthy boundaries. And so-
1: I also don't have the time to be like funny and witty and amazing for like more than one or two people in my life. (laughs) (laughs) I would say that with dating, like when people are like, oh, I'm talking like five guys. I'm like, I don't have time to be like, so fucking fun all the time for five guys. I've like, it's enough just dealing with one and trying to pretend you're perfect until he finds out you're not.
0: How has dating been on a show? Cause I've just been with Tom forever. So it's like, I haven't had to experience dating and I've seen my friends on the show having to like experience like dating and meeting people and having new relationships after already being on a show. Like what is that even like? Are you protective? Are you worried about meeting a guy that's just going to want to like use you or something? great question
1: though my first season I was seeing this guy British Dave he' oh, yeah. was so cute but he like would get shy and he wasn't that comfortable with like Summerhouse. but I mean he's the most fun guy but then whenever we'd be there he'd be like oh, oh and then that ended and then I was talking to this other guy and then once we got to the house it just complicates things and and this guy Luke came who I was like okay I'm gonna be with him all summer and we're flying the whole time I'm gonna have to break up with this other guy to enjoy this moment but then the show got popular and that's when dating actually got fucking weird where like on an app a guy would like reference something to the show or like reference a tweet and like it's not that flattering when a guy does that some people might think it is but I want the guy to do his research I once went on a date someone was like oh I love summer house um my friend said that like I should kiss you like just like weird interactions that you're like I don't know, but I ended up, I'm currently seeing someone who's in like the comedy industry where we had mutual friends and he kind of hit me up and he was like, let's get coffee.
0: Okay. But you just sparked them. Cause I was curious how you met and like what he does, because you said you were competitive in the tennis world and now you are in, you know, you're doing comedy, you do stand up. So do you feel competitiveness with him? Great question. So they say a lot of comedians are like,
1: addicts or former athletes or athletes. And I think they're all kind of intertwined. Like I was addicted to tennis and it's like this high you get at night when you're performing up. that, I mean, I obviously can't do it now. I got fired by the pandemic, but at the time <laughs> it, it was like tennis again for me. Like I would, I would like train during the day. I'd be in front of the mirror, like making jokes and I'd go up and I'd do my best. But what's great about him is that he's 45. Ooh. I know. Wait, I
0: really how old like, are you?
1: I'm 29. Okay. That's great. Thank you. And I've dated guys in their twenties. They have squirrel brains and like <laughs> I've dated guys in their thirties and some of them, it has been competitive in that I didn't know it was competitive. Cause I'm very like, if you're on my team, you're on my team and we're against the world and we're going to win. But some guys, when you're a successful female, they have trouble kind of dealing with that or they totally. try to like make you feel less. I was in a relationship where like the dude was definitely a narcissist, but narcissists are so damn charming <laughs> and adorable. <laughs> but he I, I started to feel like my light was dimming and I was like making myself smaller and smaller to make him feel happier. And I was had to break out and dating him is great because he's he's had like his career already. He's not like he jokes. He's like, I want you to be my sugar mama. And I'll like play golf and like <laughs> play in a hot tub. And I'm like, yeah, he's like, I'll take care of the kids. I'm like, yeah, yes. Like, that's what I want. So I actually, I, I love the idea of dating an older guy who was like wiser than me in a lot of ways. And, and has like lived a lot of things that I haven't lived. And I don't feel like I have to be a project manager and like fix him in a lot of ways. And you just have to find a guy who's like confident within himself. And then you feel like like you still be your psycho competitive self, but it's you guys <laughs> from the world, you know? Exactly. And like girls being competitive, it does have a negative connotation of like, oh my God, I'm like really against everyone. Where it's like me and Paige, for example, like we both came on the show and could have easily been like, we're the two new girls and like who's gonna be more popular. And immediately we were like, oh, we're so strong together. <laughs> and like, it was fun. <laughs> and it is fun. Life is better not being alone. Like even when you're really successful, feel like you're like at the top of the world sometimes that's the loneliest place being at the top it is you gotta have someone else
0: to like be you know to enjoy it with exactly (laughs) Exactly. you know dating guy who's like shed his you know toxic masculinity (laughs) shell and isn't intimidated by a funny confident strong woman is like so clutch and so key I'm really happy for you how long have you been together it's only been about six months
1: but do you think he's the one Oh my God. What? I'm just like I'm very in love right now, so I'm jaded. So like don't ask me any of those questions. But <laughs> but it's funny how you said like dating someone who's funny. A lot of the time girls like, oh, I want to find someone who makes me laugh. And I always want to find a guy who like I can make laugh. But realistically, like intimacy is when two people laugh at the same time. And like he obviously is like hilarious and an incredible stand-up. And I have my own sense of humor, but it's that like together, the stupidest shit makes us laugh like just you know when you look across the room and you're just like you're you're just in it with that person so
0: I'm happy to have found that kind of like emotional intimacy yeah emotional intimacy is really where it's at because like guess what like the sexual intimacy that stuff you can find that with almost anyone literally anyone I can convince
1: myself that anyone's hot (laughs) I'm lonely (laughs) enough (laughs) I sort of think Andy Cohen was like I was trying to fuck Andy Cohen at one point
0: like you have no idea the first three years I wouldn't watch what happens live because the first time I met him, I remember I was just like, you know what? Like, I know you're gay, but it's like the same. Thing. It's like the Neil Patrick Harris thing where it's like, I know you're gay, but like, I still kind of want to fuck you. Like, you know, absolutely. Absolutely. So I would yeah, write, so sexy. I would write in the watch what happens life guest book every single time my offer still stands. <laughs> I think, I think it weirded him out too much. So I don't do that anymore. you're like I didn't get invited for three years which is weird but now we're back but now I'm like you know what if you ever want to have
1: a threesome with me and Tom no uh." ah but it's funny you bring up sex too because I find when you're having sex with an older man for anyone who hasn't and is interested I feel like sometimes younger guys are so in their own head like they're like trying to perform well and they're like I know you have not had to deal with this shit in a while girl it's not good out there but like yeah they're just like insecure about their own performance and not really caring about you we're like I feel like an older guy is just like all about you he knows what he's got, he knows what he
0: does, he knows his little tricks and it's like <laughs> it's preferable. Yeah, he brings something else to the table, but yeah, I I can so get down with that. Speaking of intimacy though, I like okay, with this show, like for instance when we came to that for that weekend and we were going to be staying in a house. I was like, but they have cameras like literally like in the bedrooms and not that I was like worried that they're going to like catch me giving like blowies to Tom. Cause like (laughs) we never do that according to what people think. But like, I mean, that wasn't my concern, but I was just like, damn, like there's no privacy. Like I know like when we film, like I forget the cameras are there. And that's like, that's the magic of it. Like it just, they're there. We live our lives. That's perfect. But like, when there's like not people behind the cameras and there's just cameras hanging out in the bedroom. Like, do you, do you wake up the next morning after like getting on with like Luke or like British Dave or something? And you're like, you're like, Oh my God, <laughs> do we, did I cover myself enough? Like, what is that like?
1: I was just paranoid that they're going to like catch me farting in my sleep. <laughs> and I feel like that's wrong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, I'm like, I was not conscious for that.
1: So, because um, they'll like get Carl farting all the time. And I'm like, if they get me farting, I swear to God. Or I'll like literally stretch and like a little fart will come out. And I'll be like, don't acknowledge it. And maybe they'll miss it. It is weird, but it just, that's what makes Summer House just an interesting show because it's yes. like big brother that you go in and you, you can't like leave a fight and like reflect especially this season. Cause we're in there for six straight weeks. Like you're in a fight and you're still in a fight with yourself and everywhere you turn. So, um, you just kind of have to get in that mindset, but you can't protect yourself. Like you could try the first couple of days to be aware or like hold yourself a type of way, but then you can't. And you just have to face
0: reality. What a lot of people, when they come on a reality show, they want to like, you know, they're protective, As we are, like self-preservation is a real thing that we all do and we want to do. But when you come on a rally show, like you are signing up to have your life out there. And we know that. And that's, you know, what makes the show. But in your instance, like the cameras never turn off. With us, like the cameras will turn off, but like we're not having, you know, those deep conversations outside of it, but what they never do with you guys. And so like I remember just being like, this is like a whole nother ball game. It is so interesting, like crossing of the shows. Cause also when you guys came in,
1: I was like, oh shit, this is the A team. Like we're in the minor leagues, like these these are the veterans coming in. But um it's still weird. However many years you do it.
0: Well, Tom and I really, we dropped the ball that weekend because so we, we went out, we were having good times. Like we had lobster. It was amazing. Tom had a little bit of an issue in his like under regions. <laughs> Don't want to embarrass him, but it was on the show It was briefly talked about like he had some kind of like weird little abscess situation happening and he didn't know why. Maybe it came from like a steam shower, maybe in Mexico. We're not really sure, but like, he couldn't walk. So we ended up spending a, a whole evening. I was wearing like a full on like going out in the Hamptons, like a sheer dress, basically Southampton emergency room where I watched Tom get his butthole fingered by a male nurse. <laughs>
1: You go, I'm not gonna get graphic, but
0: there was fingering of the butthole. There was a large attractive nurse that shoved his finger up his butthole, and I made full <laughs> eye contact I contacted with Tom the entire time. Don't break it. We grew Don't a lot closer. closer that weekend. I won't say that. I joke,
1: much. but all of us have been in Southampton in the hospital. I got my appendix removed there. I broke a pinky there one night when I was running after an Uber and just like went backwards. And like, I was with British Dave and he was trying to like cuddle me in the emergency room. He was like, can you scratch my back? And I'm like, my pinky's inverted, bitch. Oh no. And the doctor, like he's a huge man, like six, six, like cuddling me on this little thing. And they were like, guys, let's, this isn't a freaking hotel room. <laughs> um, but you guys coming was so fun, but it was funny because in the morning they were like, Tom and Katie had to leave because of, um, an occurrence Tom um, got sick <laughs> and we all were like really worried and then Stasi, I think was like yeah his buttholes blew open or something
0: <laughs> and we're like okay well, It sucked <laughs> because like we were just there for hours and hours and I was like well maybe we can still come up and meet up with them nope nope yeah. nope nope well you guys took a
1: schlep like it, it takes forever to go across the country
0: and you visited season one too right did you yeah so we did the we did like a little like the I guess they call it crossover. Yeah, because Stassi knew the work as twins, so that that was the infamous Stassi in the hot tub, her her turtleneck <laughs> painting suit <laughs> with Kyle. Oh my God, that was so epic! I remember watching that
1: because I was watching Vanderpump as one does, and then I was like, "Oh, the hams! Oh, St- Stassi looked great though in that turtleneck. We do have to acknowledge that he was." just trying to come up with a clever
0: line well beyond like having to worry about catching like sleep farts or like you know drunken hookups under under the covers or maybe not I don't know (laughs) you forget when you're like just living your life and they're filming it that like eventually like your parents are gonna see it your old teachers are gonna see it you do forget because
1: no one three minutes in is like hey just a reminder um people are gonna see this no like nothing happens so
0: you're like "Mm yeah No one cares about me right now. No, you're just like, I just am going to do whatever I'm going to do regardless. And then it's like a way later thought. And you're like, there are some people who don't like to have sex on the show. The key is you have sex
1: in the bathroom. You turn the faucet on. That's (laughs) like, you go in the the pantry, Pantry, the the
0: pantry, yeah. Yeah, The
1: pantry, which they put cameras in to, um, so we couldn't fool around as much. However, I've always been of the opinion of like, obviously i'm not doing a porno I'd, I'd like to get paid a little more for that but it's like women are sexual creatures so i was like do i go in and like try to pretend that i'm a virgin or is it like we show that like women want to orgasm women should orgasm and to be honest i think it was quite a feminist thing that i got eaten out did not put his dick in my mouth get eaten out ladies and you don't have to return the favor boom normalize that pillow princess <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I just got really tired. <laughs> but besides all that, like what has been the hardest part of doing the show? Besides, like, the job, not even that's hard, but like, besides, like, the actual like filming the show, like, in your own personal life, like, what has been like the hardest thing to adjust to? I
1: think the hardest thing to adjust, this is so corny, but it's like the amount of people who like start to hate you. <laughs> Yeah, And it's like, I, I don't, you've dealt with it at another level than I have, but it's like, I've seen a part of the internet. That's very scary of people who like, will take anything to try to like make you feel bad or start like a controversy when there really isn't one. It's funny. Cause you were like, I don't spend a lot of time on Instagram. It kind of sucks, but the more followers I get, the less likely I am to look at my messages. I used to try to get back to everyone and be like, I love you. And now I realize like, it's kind of a toxic space. So why would I put myself in a toxic place? And I I get so many amazing, great messages, especially more with my podcast, burning hell. But sometimes reality TV attracts fucking weirdos who are just, and I'm not talking about people who just like love Bravo. I'm talking about people who like get weird obsessions with people on TV and think they know your life or you trigger them because you remind them of like their cousin
0: who they hate or whatever. <laughs> and um, there's a lot of hate online because people are anonymous. Yeah, they they have a lot of liberty, or they think they do to just say whatever they want, because there's no real consequences because they're anonymous. And, you know, the, these are usually people that are doing it to everyone. It's sort of like their thing where it's not just you. It's like literally every person look
1: at their page. They're just like shitting everything from like airlines to like (laughs) the restaurant. They just ate at actually James Kennedy, James Kennedy. I met him actually before I was ever on summer house. Because I worked for Betches back in the day. Did you know that? I did know that.
0: Oh my gosh, I forgot to ask you about that. I love Betches.
1: Yeah, so I was like doing interviews with them, whatever. I was with James Kennedy and he was dealing with it that, like getting a lot of hate. And I remember just being like, are you good, bro? And he was like, (laughs) the same people who write shitty comments to me are the same ones who ask for my photo when they see me in person. So I don't really care, mate. And I was kind of like, wow, that was actually, I mean, a terrible accent, but really well said.
0: It is true. Some of like the biggest haters or whatever trolls are like the biggest fans like those are the ones but it's like they're the hardest ones to love but you gotta be grateful for it you know because if they didn't care so much then there's something wrong but it can be hard to deal with and hard to manage especially in the beginning
1: you're right in that like you kind of wanted to be an actress and i was kind of i just i kind of want to just be on doing video i got into comedy and then reality tv like Back in the day, like when you started, this is why I have extra respect for you. it's because when you started, it was not like a done deal. You're going to get a million followers. Like back then it was like Jersey Shore-esque, like kind of looked like it might be a little off- like color or little like sleazier shows like on MTV. Yeah, it was stigmatized. Like if you it do- It was
0: very stigmatized. Yeah, people are like, oh, only like psychos or like crazy people or like- Yeah, like not actors. They look down on it and they they still do. There's still a lot of like the elite people that will look down on reality TV. And like I would never, I'm an artist. It's funny how
1: Netflix has recently came out with an article kind of apologizing for like not believing in reality TV at first like apparently Netflix like wasn't investing in it and then they realized like how fucking amazing the content is and then they come out with Love is Blind, Selling Sunset, Bling Empire and I mean it's just a different form of media that has been incredible and I joked with my friends I was like Cardi B, Kim Kardashian, like these are people who came from reality TV. I realized that I'm so grateful for it because it's given me the opportunity to do stuff like this and, and just have more time to be creative and make what I want to make because they gave me that platform.
0: Exactly. And if I, you know what, if I'm going to be like living this a like crazy life, may as well entertain some people with it.
1: <laughs> 100%. And my motto with it has always been like, you can't go on trying to look like you're perfect. I'm going to make mistakes that everyone will make and you guys can watch me try to figure them out. And if I can like one person can relate to me and like
0: me dealing with something, then I'm happy, you know? Yeah. I feel a lot of love in that sense too, because like me putting a lot of like personal, like issues and struggles that I've like deal with and just being like real about it as embarrassing or uncomfortable as it is. I will say the amount of people that have reached out saying that, like, I've like helped them deal with like, you know, their own like body confidence issues and and all of that, like that I'm going to be forever grateful for forever, even signing up for a show because, you know, I want to be a real authentic person and be a full person on the show and show the good, bad and ugly. So.
1: Yes. Being a full person. That's why. I think you're so successful because you're not hiding a type, a part of you or trying to put some kind of facade. I mean, people love movies because it's these like amazing inspirational stories of some kind that people relate to. And we're just being like, follow our lives. We don't know what's going to happen, but I hope it's good.
0: (laughs) What is something about you that people don't know or something you really wish people would know about you to fully understand you as a person?
1: Oh my God, I love this question because I do think this season, I... I'm definitely different than previous seasons. I think because the friend group is much closer and because I knew we were going to be in a house for seven, six weeks. And I kind of was like, I need to put my foot down in some things that I would tolerate before. I do think I've gained confidence in myself. I have this comedy mental health podcast because I've dealt with anxiety. I've dealt with depression. People know that, but I think I'm actually realizing just like how sensitive I am as a person because I always knew that I dealt with anxiety and depression, but I always had like love joking as a coping mechanism, <laughs> but I didn't realize like what was triggering the anxiety and just like how much I really do care about things where I always just love being the tough girl. As an athlete, your job is when someone says, are you tired? Are you nervous? Are you sore? You go, nope, I'm good. A weakness. I'm good. Yeah, exactly. And I think part of the reason I didn't have a like full professional career in tennis is because I had too much shit on my mind all the time. And I would get like super in my head about stuff. And I was super sensitive and like hard on myself. And I just think sometimes I come off like really tough and confident. And I think I'm a lot more sensitive than people would know, especially like how with people treat me. Cause people love joking with me all the time. And I love joking, but I don't forget i'm sicilian me too you are oh my god wait so you get it If i don't forget like there are some fights i've had where like i'll never forget like something someone said about me (laughs) and i'll just be like yeah we they're not someone i want in my life and you think like hannah you're so laid back and chill and funny and you joke and it's like yeah but i don't fuck with that person yeah i do have a lot of fear I think like I have a lot of fear and sensitivity. I have fear of failing. I think quarantine, like all my, the shit is just like at the top right now. Like, and then like I get really high on highs and then next thing you know, like I'm back in the, cause I I have like this work ethic where it's like, I'm always chasing and people like, Oh, you work so hard. It's like, yeah, because I'm fucking scared because I don't want to be like stuck just with my brain, not feeling like I hit my potential, but realistically I need to just find kind of things that make me happy that's not based on like results of like
0: accomplishing something or like winning something. Well like how do you do that? Like I have a hard time finding comfortability and vulnerability. Like I I have a hard time like because I am also really sensitive. I might like I might come across as being like unapologetic, like tough. I don't coddle, I don't do you know, but at the end of the day like I also am really like I am empathetic. I am, you know, but I don't like to present myself that way. So how how have you found ways to really kind of bring that shit to the forefront and not be afraid of it? To like kind of like not re-represent yourself, but to let people know that like, listen, I might be this, but like I also am a lot of this other. That's a good thing.
1: question because I think that in group settings, I'm very like like tough life of the party. But it's like that one on ones that you when you can like listen to people and people feel heard that's when you can like really connect and understand people. And then like, you can be vulnerable. Sometimes I feel like I'm overly vulnerable. Like I'll go on my podcast and be like, that's and I'll sit and I'll just spill my guts. And then you almost feel like a little like raw after like, should I have done that? Was that too much? Like are people not going to like that? And I just think overthinking is part of who I am, <laughs> and, but it's part of what makes me a good comic. Cause I'm constantly like um, analyzing things or like, why is this funny? why was that weird? But I think being vulnerable is like, The first step is actually being honest with what's happening. Because once you know it, and once you can talk about it a little, it's not this big, scary thing. Like if you have an eating disorder for some or something like, and you keep it a secret, then it becomes this huge, huge weight on you. But if you can address it, understand it, talk to someone about it, then it becomes little. And then like, you're not even being that crazy vulnerable. It's just like a fact about you that you're working on.
0: Oh, that was a little intense. No, but example. that's but a reality. That is hard. Cause it's like, I feel like I can be honest with myself, but when it comes to like letting other people know, like the real truth of the matter, it's becomes hard because I know when I've let that guard down, people have used mm. it against me you know, they've used insecurity or they've used vulnerability as like a weapon against me. So I become more heavily guarded in a lot of ways. And that's like attack. human nature that, well, yeah, that's human nature that you
1: did something and they treated you like that for you to be like, mm, I'm not doing that again. I feel like, yeah, it's those one-on-one experiences that you like become vulnerable. And then you kind of see normally they become vulnerable too. Like, that's kind of like what my podcast is like, yeah. I, I'm never like, Oh, tell me everything. Like I always find some kind of like common ground and then we work off of that, but you're right. Like there are people who will take advantage of you and and like you're opening up and stuff, but you just have to be like, yeah, that's me. And like not want to hide from it. And even if they plastered it all over billboards in LA, you're like, yeah, that's me. I have insecurities about this or that. And then they don't become as scary once you just like own them. Yeah. That makes sense. No, that
0: makes, that makes so much sense. You're like literally like kind of speaking things that are on my mind that I have a hard time articulating sometimes because I feel like I forget how to be human <laughs> sometimes. Not that I'm like a <laughs> robot. Funny, even
1: reality TV, just like owning your feelings. It really taught me that. Cause I used to suppress so many
0: feelings and then on reality TV, you have to explain how you feel all the time. And you feel like there's shame in that too. Sometimes like, I, I don't feel like regret, but like, sometimes I feel shame because of like a lot of the ways that I'm like, people respond to me, whether it's people on the show or people online and people that watch the show. Sometimes it's like, I get in my head, like, you know, it's like thing. like, if you're anxious and you know, it overthink, like that's the song that plays in my head (laughs) it's funny because just from
1: watching like past seasons which is obviously it's more complicated than like just what I saw but sometimes I feel like you'll hold stuff in and it'll ruminate and then once you're finally snap like whether it's alcohol or whatever it's it's usually alcohol it's (laughs) it's a snapping moment um but I think it's also you feeling comfortable that like if you are to show your real self that like people will embrace it.
0: Do you ever feel the sense that like you're trying to to speak your truth and you're not being heard and then it gets to a boiling point? Do you ever feel that way? I'm from New York, so I'm very loud and I make <laughs> sure I'm heard all the time. But, <laughs> but not even just audibly, but like just like from where you're coming from, it's not yeah. resonating. That's
1: also when I just go, oh, like these aren't my people. Like if they don't like really understand. And like and I'm not talking about like little fights with you and Tom with like A pool boy, like (laughs) I'm talking about, like people who earnestly can't understand that you're like coming from a good place with something, or earnestly can understand why you're frustrated with something. You can't fix, and like people say, you can't fix stupid. But it's more like you can't fix someone who doesn't want to understand you. Yeah.
0: And then it becomes difficult because then you're trying to navigate healthy boundaries with those types of people because it's like for setting or social setting places or because you have mutual friends, like you kind of have to be around each other. But it's just like, I can't fake the funk with people. And it becomes really difficult when it's just like, listen, like you and I, we don't get one another, but like you're still cool, whatever. Like it's like such a thin, thin line. I used to
1: with friends, like, like you want everyone to be your friend. And then you realize like, you know, sometimes you just feel off with some people or you feel like your words just aren't really like being processed. Like that's just energies. And it made me realize like, you know, when you, like when you met Tom, it's just something clicked. Like that's how it is with friends too. And sometimes people are naturally going to click and that's, they're like your people. And then some people aren't, it doesn't mean they're bad people. It just means like you keep them at arm's length and that's okay. And whenever you can, you throw some empathy their way. Like you know, like I I wish you the best. Like I'm rooting for you, but like let's not
0: get too close. Totally, I'm so very comfortable with that. Like I'm very resolved in the fact that I am not for some people, and some people aren't for me. So like, can we stop criticizing and shaming? Because that's a their problem, not a me problem. Yeah. But yeah, it just becomes really hard to speak your truth and be honest when other people are just like. Mm. How many languages can I say then? I only speak one and a half. So <laughs> I barely speak one. I have a hard time forming sentences in English. But also, I feel like
1: you're like, obviously, like we're speaking in generalities, but with your life, the more kind of like money you make or like fame you get, the more weird people start engaging with you where you don't. Do you
0: feel that way? Do you feel like there's a lot of like peripheral people trying to always creep into your life? Well, it was, in the very beginning, I was very confused by it all because I told you I have a small
1: circle, and then people who like I didn't really know that well were trying to get coffee with me, all the fucking time. It was like three different people a week would be like, "Hey, can we get coffee?" And I'm like a people pleaser, so at first I'd be like, "Sure," and then I remember being like, "Okay, so I've like." podcasts and work. And then I just get coffee with three people. Plus I'm trying to date and I'm like, what is going on? And then I realized like, no, you're not popular. You're not like suddenly like way cooler than you were before. It's just like certain people want to take your time. And that's why saying no is so important. And like, then you deal with these people that when money's involved and like power and fame is involved, like sometimes the wrong people just get involved with you that you would have never crossed if you were just like you without that extra shit.
0: Yeah. If that makes sense. No, it does make sense. It gets sticky. And that's why it's like, I don't want to be like more closed off to people. And I feel like sometimes people that feel like they're owed access to my life. And I'm like, no, no, no. And then they're like, what did I do? I'm like, nothing. It's just, I don't operate. If it
1: feels forced, if it feels weird. And if you feel like you lost energy hanging out with someone or you feel more tired. Yeah. After but it's hanging also out be, with them.
0: be protective of your energy. Be protective of your time. Like finally in 2021, can we normalize just saying no for the sake of saying no? Like if I don't want to come to your birthday party, it's not because like I don't appreciate you and don't want to celebrate your life. It's just because going to a party is like way more exhausting on a person who deals with things like depression and and struggles with like mental health and more than anything to have to like psych myself up to like get ready to go out when I normally start settling down at 7 30 p.m. and get want to get in bed by night so going to your birthday that doesn't start till 9 p.m. and then having to talk to all of (laughs) having to talk to all of like your friends and all that stressing me Ow. I know I know but it's just like but like can we just normalize when when you say no like not having to give an excuse because like normally it's like why well, I, I don't want to go but I feel like I should have a good reason it's like I shouldn't have to have a reason I should just be able to say like no thank you thank you for thinking of me and thank you for wanting me there but I'm gonna pass without people being offended
1: that is amazing because that's why I think Paige and I actually have a good friendship I know I'm I'm like talking about my friendship with Paige, but it's very important because we are very low maintenance friends. Like, you know, those friends where, you know, like if you like, you left earlier, like God forbid you like didn't text them back that like, it's going to be a problem. We're like we have this thing where we've agreed we will never get mad at each other for not attending something. So like, she will literally text me and be like, if you don't want to go, totally cool. I get it. And I'll be like, yeah, I'm not going like, we like enjoy. Cause we, we know each other's ways. And I think it goes back to your question of what people might not know about me. And it's actually like, I do have social anxiety. Yes. Like my job is talking to people, but I have social anxiety in that. Like when I'm in a social setting, I feel pressure to like be fun. And like a lot of the time I am fun and I am on, but then like I don't want to do it all night. I can't do it every night. You can't just turn it oh. off and turn it on. Yeah. <laughs> no. So then I actually, I love, I love animals. I love spending time alone with my cat. I have like, I've been fostering dogs and I think people assume like even stand-up shows afterwards, they'd be like, come out with us and do cocaine. And I'm like, honestly, I just want to go and like watch some like e-documentary of like
0: something crazy and just go to sleep. Yeah because I think when people do have, you know, they do struggle with things that doing what you need to do for yourself in the moment and not for other people is like the only thing you can do again. Like Tom knows that like, I just, he's like, Bob doesn't like the outside. (laughs) I have like agoraphobia almost like, it's just like to the point where sometimes like if I, I can't even be in a grocery store, just because it's like being around that many people, like brings me anxiety. And so like when it's And you before masks
1: and stuff, you had to deal with getting noticed and stuff in LA too, which can add like a different element of anxiety where some people don't know like it's fun, but it also can be super embarrassing
0: on like your end. 'Cause like they want you to give the energy that they're giving you. Yeah, there's another part like I know if I'm going to TomTom, Tom, like I need to be in the right headspace for that. And sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I'm having a bad day. I'm often having bad days. I and mean, where it's just like that's like not <laughs> I'm the, having a bad year, okay? I can't do small talk all the time with people. And like and so like rather than having bad experiences with people, I'd rather just like stay home because I don't want to leave that impression with somebody i don't want someone but to it's th- great
1: that your partner understands it about you like my my boyfriend i told him like early on i was like oh, you know i'm not kind of girl i don't need to do activities all the time i'm like i don't need you taking me on hikes i don't need to be like going to fans i want to just find someone i could like chill on the couch with yes. and feel fulfilled so he'll even now like someone will invite us to something and he's very cool to be like do you want to go tonight like earnestly. And if you don't, it's okay. Cause he like cares. And some, pe- I've dated people who like, don't give a fuck and they just want to party or they just want to hang with their people, not caring if it's like comfortable for me. And I mean, the pandemic has made you aware that like some people you actually enjoy and some people you're like, I don't really miss
0: doing whatever that weird life was before. A lot of perspective clicking into place during these times. I'm, I mean, I'm very much homebody. So I'm fine with being at home all the time. I mean, more so lately, I'm kind of like, it'd be nice to at least have the option and, you know, be able to see some people that would be like, that would be nice. But okay, before we, before we wrap up, because I have a thing I like to end this with. So you watch Phantom Pump Rules. So you know that I have a bit of a flair for rage texting. So <laughs> I want to ask you what your rage text of the day would be to whatever, whoever, it doesn't even matter, just like, someone that you want to tell your fucking business to of how you feel. Oh my God. This is amazing.
1: I think right now we're in a place where it's like, sometimes you feel like you're just sitting around and like the world is happening and you're just hoping like maybe something good happens. And like, it feels monotonous. And I just want to just like to all like the corporations or the systems and the people we're waiting for to say yes or to no and whatever. I just want to be like, fuck you guys. Like, everyone ha- is out for themselves and the only people that you care for is yourself and the people around you. And you just have to like say, focus on doing the best you can do and having empathy for people around you and loving people around you. Cause you can't control the motherfuckers who are like deciding who gets success or deciding who gets paid or the, just the whole fucking system. Fuck the patriarchy. <laughs> exactly. I- Fuck the man and just focus (laughs) on being the best, baddest bitch you can be. And don't sit around waiting for someone to give you opportunity. Just fucking chase it. I love that. I don't know where that came from, but. Oh, I love it. It it was quite, it felt, I feel better now. I feel better about myself. The fire.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming. So everyone, make sure you listen to, download, subscribe, review, like Hannah's podcast, Burning in Hell. And also watch summer house. This season looks so fucking good. looks so fire. 10 friends trapped in a house. Shit's going to go down, but Hannah, I love you. You're hilarious. Please. Like as soon as we can, let's hang out. (laughs) We have to, I know one of these days, well, let's like make a plan, cancel and then
1: hang out. that makes (laughs) it more fun. But yeah, I'm so excited to see like where this podcast goes. I know
0: it's fairly new and I'm just proud of you for starting it. And I'm a big fan. Thank you so much. Well, to everyone, enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy your weekend and be kind to yourselves. Thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating and review follow along on social at Music Hillscape and tune in next week for an all-new episode.